So we're going to dive right in because there's a lot of ground to cover. We're going to cover a great story from the Old Testament tonight uh, as we continue in our series, Flip the Script. This is a series we started a few weeks ago all about how we can trade negative emotions for the truth of God's word. And we've talked about negative emotions such as uh, trading uncontrolled lust for unconditional love. We talked about trading uh, depression uh, for hope. We talked about trading fear for faith. And tonight we're talking about trading greed for generosity. Oh, great. Here we go. Now we're, we're going to talk about giving, we're going to talk about tithing, we're going to talk about offering soup. Oh, I knew it. I just knew it. Every church is just the same. All they want is your money. It's true. We do. That's all we want. That's all we, it's all we care about is your, no, that is not true at all. In fact, I rarely, rarely talk about money. I rarely talk about giving. Um, but tonight, you're in luck because we're going to do that. Um, in all seriousness, we're going to talk about generosity, which is different than giving. In fact, we're not even going to talk about giving all that much. We're going to talk about cultivating a lifestyle of generosity and how we can be more generous as people and why we should be generous as people, especially as followers of Jesus. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight is this idea of generosity. It is not, get this, it is not a monetary issue. It is not a financial issue. Generosity is a spiritual issue. And we're going to talk about that tonight. If you have a Bible, if you brought a Bible, I encourage you to grab it and turn to Joshua chapter 7 is where we're going to be tonight. If you don't have a Bible, you can use a Bible app on your phone like Bible Gateway or Version. or I always encourage you to use the GFCC app. We have our own app here. You can go to your app store, whether it's the Google Play Store or the iTunes Store, and you can download our app to your phone by searching for GFCC. It takes only a matter of seconds. You can follow along with the sermon notes and fill in little blanks in the sermon outline. Uh, you can uh, get text notifications about things going on around here, uh, as well as give your tithes and offerings. Oh, I did it again. Talking about giving again. Huh? Just tripping all over myself. So let's talk a little bit about generosity tonight. As we look at a story from the Old Testament book of Joshua about a man named Achan. Now, let me set the scene for you. Uh, Joshua is now the leader of Israel. Moses had passed away and he was not able to enter the promised land because he uh, disobeyed God. He was able to view the promised land from afar, but he was not allowed to enter into it. And the entire generation, if you remember, we talked about this, uh, about this, uh, the generation of people who complained against God. We talked about last week, we talked about faith and fear. Um, they, they, the entire generation died off and the next generation was ready to go in the promised land. And Joshua leads them into the promised land. They come to the city of Jericho. Now, Jericho was a huge city. It, was, it had huge fortified walls. It was built on a hill. It was a, a, just a powerful, powerful city. And so Joshua, God reveals the battle plan to Joshua and how they're going to take this fortified city. Again, the Israelites are nomads. They don't have a homeland of their own. They're not fierce warriors. They're not, they're not great soldiers or anything like that. And so here's the battle plan, God says. For seven days, you're going to walk around the city. So for six days, you're going to walk around the city once. And seventh day, you're going to walk around the city seven times. And you're going to blow your trumpets and the walls are going to come tumbling down. 
Sure, let's do that. So they do it. The Israelites do it. They walk around the city once, once per day for six days. Seventh day, they walk around the city seven times. They march around the city seven times. They blow their trumpets, and sure enough, and the walls came a-tumbling down, and the walls come tumbling down. And so God told Joshua some specific instructions about what to do when they conquered the city of Jericho. And you'll look, uh, we're going to actually start in Joshua chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. This is what God told Joshua. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. So everything that is in the city, God is saying, it's mine. Okay, God says, everything in the city is mine. It all belongs to me. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. So uh, they had sent some spies into Jericho to spy it out. And these spies were hidden by a prostitute named Rahab. So they're going to kill everybody and everything in the city except this one family. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring, bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. So God says, tells Joshua, tell the people, don't take anything that belongs to me. Don't take anything in the city to be your own. It belongs to me. Okay, this is important. Do not disobey God. Okay, God's given his command. You must obey it. So don't take anything that doesn't belong to you because God says it belongs to me. So they go in the city. They march around the city. Walls come tumbling down. They go in. They do everything. They spare Rahab the prostitute and, and because she hid the spies. And then we get to chapter 7, verse 1. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Z the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. So God is mad at the whole nation because one guy disobeyed. When God says, do this or don't do that, he means it disobedience is serious to God. Disobedience is serious business. We too often in our lives will sweep sin under the rug. We will uh, take God's grace for granted and we'll disobey and think, eh, it's no big deal. You're going to learn from Aiken's example tonight. It is a big deal. So Joshua uh, they is going to send some spies to the city of Ai. So there's a city called Ai, and they're going to go. Uh, they conquered Jer Jericho, the big, the big city of Jericho. We're going to go to Ai. We're going to conquer Ai. So he sends some spies into Ai uh, to see what's going on, and they go to Ai and they say, "Hey, there's no problem here. We can send two or three thousand of our own people in there, and we will conquer the city with no problem." Great. So Joshua does that. Sends two, three thousand people to Ai. They get slaughtered. I mean, they get trounced. And there's no good explanation for why they got trounced at the city of Ai. And Joshua doesn't understand. And, and so Joshua um, 
goes uh, before the Ark of the Covenant and he falls down. He tears his clothes. He falls down before the Ark of the Covenant. The elders of Israel come along and they're throwing dust on their heads. I, I don't understand it. I don't get it, but they're throwing dust on their heads as a sign of just what is going on. They don't understand why they got trounced so bad at Ai. Verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. God is serious. He told them, don't take anything that belongs to me. And they did. They disobeyed. They broke his command. They broke his covenant. This is serious. And so Joshua is going to find out who did it. And so Joshua says, I want all the tribes to present themselves. So the 12 tribes of Israel present themselves. And God told them, it's from this tribe. And then he wants all the clans of the tribe to present themselves. And God says, it's this clan. And I want all the families of that clan to present themselves. It's this family. And then they, they find out that it's Achan. This man named Achan. A-C-H-A-N. Look at verse 19. Turn my page. Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Verse 20. Achan replied, It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. A beautiful robe from Babylon. Oh, it's beautiful. 200 shekels worth of silver. It's about 25 pounds of silver coins. Not a small chunk of change. A gold bar weighing 50 shekels of weight. 75 pounds of gold. So you got 75 pounds of gold, 25 pounds of silver, and a beautiful robe. Achan's like, no one's looking. I'm just going to take this, bury it in the ground under my tent. Nobody will know. God knew. God saw it all. And the entire Nation was cursed because of one man's sin. That doesn't seem very fair, does it? When I said earlier about God being holy, that God is holy, cannot stand sin. 
Achan said, I coveted it. I saw the robe, I coveted it. I saw the silver, I coveted it. I saw the, the gold, I coveted it. The Hebrew word for covet means to desire greatly. And what happens when you desire something greatly? You go get it. I like Reese's peanut butter cups. Does anybody not like Reese's peanut butter cups? A couple of you? You poor souls. Anybody online not like Reese's peanut butter cups? I can't see you if you're raising your hand. But when I want a Reese's peanut butter cup, do you know what I do? I go get it. Because I desire it greatly. I covet all the Reese's peanut butter cups. And I'm a grown man. So I can get in my car and drive to the store. And I can get Reese's peanut butter. You know, that's when I knew I was an adult. <laughs> One night I'm at home and I'm like, man, I wish somebody would make some brownies. And then I thought to myself, I'm an adult. I can make brownies if I want to. I really can. I am free. My life changed that moment, that very day. I can make brownies whenever the heck I feel like it. And you know what? I did. And they were good. I didn't have to wait for mom or nothing. I can do it myself. It's a very liberating feeling. Anyway, co uh, coveting. Uh, Achan saw the stuff and he wanted it, so he took it. And he broke God's command. The 10th commandment of the 10 commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When was the last time you coveted your neighbor's donkey? Anyone? Maybe not his donkey, but maybe his car or the house. You know? Coveting makes us do stupid stuff. Like, coveting, <laughs> coveting makes us make bad decisions. Like, you go armpit deep in debt to try and keep up with the Joneses because you want what they've got. And you end up in financial turmoil and financial trouble because you can't say no because you have no self-control because you covet, you desire greatly. And we can't say no to ourselves. We're terrible at it. I'm terrible at it. I've got nine pairs of Calvin Klein jeans that testify to the fact that I'm terrible at saying no to myself. We covet, we want, we, we greatly desire and we can't say no. So we just go take it. We go, we treat life like a giant Reese's peanut butter cup. We just go get it. God said don't. So let me tell you a little about what happened to Achan and his family. They take Achan, his family, and all his stuff. All his stuff, including the stuff that he stole. And they take it to a valley... And they stoned him and his family to death and set him on fire. And they burned him, his family, and all his stuff. Now, I'm not telling you 
that if you don't give 10% of your income to the church, that we're going to do that to you. That would be not a very good church growth tactic at all. Did you hear about that church? Oh my goodness. They like, they're serious about their giving. No, 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 we're not, no. But when it comes to coveting and greed, like this is, this is sinful nature stuff. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul tells the Colossian Christians this, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and what? Which is idolatry. Paul says that greed is idolatry. Now, we don't worship idols of, of stone or precious metal, do we? You know, we? We think of ancient cultures that would build little idols and they'd worship those little idols. And we think, ha, 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 ha. oh, those simpletons worshiping their little stone idols. Idolatry. Huh, we don't have that problem, do we? Seriously? We may not worship idols of stone. We worship idols of green paper and idols of silver and gold coins. We worship all kinds of idols, don't we? Specifically, monetary ones. We do. And it, it causes us to make very bad decisions. Like when we worship stuff and when we worship money and when we worship possessions and we worship things... It gets elevated to an idol in our lives, and God is pushed out of the way. And we'll do anything we can to accumulate more and more and more and more. And we have storage units, like huge facilities that are boxes, because we don't have enough room in our houses for our stuff that we got to pay somebody to keep it for us. And I have a storage unit that I never visit. Like my stuff is in a box going, are you ever going to come see me again? No, box, I'm not. I'm not. The only time I go to my storage unit is to get my luggage when we're going to go on a trip. And all my stuff looks at me like, did you forget about us? No, I'm just ignoring you. We worship our stuff. And we worship money. It's because we're greedy. And it causes us to make choices and decisions that aren't always in line with God's will. In Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 10, God told his people this, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. That's a good thing. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, he says. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. The Bible's clear. Do not put the Lord your God to the test, except in this one verse where God says, I dare you. I dare you to test me in this and see if I will not bless your socks off. 
if you will just obey my command. Now, the New Testament doesn't talk about tithing, but it does talk about generosity. A tithe, in case you don't know, is 10%. It's like 10% of your income. And that's what God asked the Jewish people to give back to him, was a 10% tithe. The New Testament doesn't talk about a tithe, but it does talk about generosity. And there's a purpose behind generosity, that God blesses us to be a blessing. And that goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 12, when God called Abraham to, to be the father of his people. And this is what he says in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So this principle of generosity, it's a cycle of generosity that God blessed Abraham so that Abraham could bless others. And he does the same thing for us today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, God, uh, Paul told the Corinthian church this, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. God blesses you. You bless others with the blessings God gives you. What is generosity? It's more than just giving to the church. It's a lifestyle that we need to cultivate. So there's a couple takeaways I want to share with you tonight. First is this. God isn't worried about your 10%. He's more concerned with your 90%. Let me explain that. God isn't so worried about how much you put in the offering plate. God isn't worried about your 10%, whatever you put in the offering plate or in the offering box. He's more concerned with what you're doing with the 90%. I've heard it said that, you know, it's not that you have to give 10%. It's what you do with the 90% that God lets you keep. What are you doing with that 90%? How are, how are you being generous toward others with the money that you keep? How are you being a good steward of the 90% you get to keep. It's not a financial issue. It is a spiritual issue. It is realizing that God has blessed you in many, many ways. Now, folks, I don't think we understand just how blessed we are. Even living paycheck to paycheck, the fact that we get a paycheck, we're just not very smart with how we spend our money. We're not very good stewards with what we have and what we keep. We need to be generous. We need to learn generosity. And generosity isn't about what you give. It's not about what you give. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate the offerings and the tithes and offerings that are given here at GFCC. But I want you to know the money that you give to the church isn't just to keep the lights on and, and to pay the staff salaries. Every dollar you give goes toward helping people follow Jesus. Every life that is transformed is because of the generosity you show toward God and his kingdom. Like people's lives are changed because of the ministry of GFCC. And when you put money in an offering box or you give online at gfcc.net slash give, if you give online or if you give money here at the offering... Uh, in the offering box, I want you to know that you are partnering with us as we partner with God to see lives transformed 
for Jesus, for the glory of Jesus. Generosity isn't about what you give. Generosity is about what you do with what you keep. It's about what you do with what you keep. So it's more than just going uh, what goes on in these four walls. It's how are you blessing other people with the blessings you've been given? Because followers of Jesus are generous because God is generous. Followers of Jesus are generous because God is generous. He has blessed us. He's blessed you. He's blessed me. And, and when it comes to giving, when it comes to being generous, our attitude needs to be that because God has blessed me, I will bless others. And so maybe generosity for you looks like buying an extra bag of groceries and leaving it on your neighbor's doorstep because they've been out of work for six months. Maybe generosity for you looks like paying somebody's NIPSCO bill because you know the NIPSCO is about to get shut off. Maybe generosity for you looks like supporting a missionary overseas. Maybe generosity for you looks like increasing your offering at church. I'm not asking you to give 10%, maybe 5%. Maybe instead of the $5 you throw in the offering plate, you're going to, in the offering box, you're going to give 5% and work your way up from there. A couple of years ago, I made a decision that I was not going to give 10%. I was going to increase it by 1%. And so our family gives 11%. I don't mean to, I'm not boasting or bragging. I just want you to know, I put my money where my mouth is. <laughs> you need to give more, but I'm not going to. No, 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 no. Generosity comes from a grateful heart. Generosity comes from a heart that realizes that God has been generous to me. And God has been generous to me. My financial issues that I've had in my life are my own doing. It's not because God has withheld anything from me. No, God has blessed my socks off. Generosity is on the flip side of greed. When we are greedy, we are guilty of worshiping idols. And if God is going to flip the script, it means we have to open up our hearts to being more generous. We do not want to rob God. And we do not want to rob others of the things that they need so let us be a generous people. Let us flip the script from greed to generosity.